Oh, there you are. I was hoping you'd make it. Come in, sit down. Welcome to the story well. If you found your way here, then here is where you belong. In this place, we welcome storytellers of any stripe, whether published or anonymous, budding newbie or seasoned veteran, via prose or stage direction or panel descriptions, through the corridors of your memory or to worlds you've only imagined. You are among your own people. But now it's time to leave the word minds, step back from the writer's block, and put your story on pause. Set down your pen, rest your weary wrists, lay aside your stylus. Pull up a seat at the table with your fellow wordsmiths as we discuss the art and craft of story. You're just in time because we've gathered to discuss NaNoWriMo, also known as National Novel Writing Month. Launched in 1999, now known as the Office of Letters and Light, this nonprofit organization is dedicated to promoting creative writing. Every November, they put out a challenge to write 50,000 words of a novel in 30 days. Almost half a million people around the world participate, including the three of us who have gathered here today. So joining me at the table are podcast impresario... Pete Wright. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other guest. No. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. Hello. I'm so glad. And you are, you are, I'd say, in addition to all your podcasting, you are also a writer yourself. So Indeed. You are, of course, you are welcome here. Uh, and rejoining me at the table is author extraordinaire, Ryan Dalton. Hello. Welcome back. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, can can you also call me an impresario so I can put that Ooh, in my credits? Sure, exactly. <laughs> and uh, novelist impresario, okay, yeah, story right. impresario. It's vetted. It can go on Wikipedia now. It's going to go on my my Twitter bio now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, we are here because we are all three winners. Yes, all of us have won NaNoWriMo. <laughs> and so uh, as we get started, I wanted to sort of talk to you guys first about your. Uh, first experiences with NaNoWriMo, like like how did it? How did you find out about? It? How did it come into your life? What was your 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 first story about? If you're willing to to give up story details, uh, let's start with you, Pete. What was your first oh. exposure to NaNoWriMo? Uh, I don't I don't remember how I was first exposed to it. It was my first my first documented participation was 2003, and and I wow. think it I think it started in 97. So I'm I'm pretty early, uh, and I've been doing it almost every year, but uh, sometimes not successfully. And I, you know, I'm excited about this conversation because I'm eager to hear how we define success. I've been having a lot of those kinds of conversations around NaNoWriMo. How what does it mean to quote win? I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So I have as a result what I would call three successful novels out okay. of my many years of participation. And I have so many other uh, just fiery uh, uh, paths of destruction, of blood spilt on the keyboard behind me of years that I do not count as successful. And uh, uh, so lots of fragments, uh, things that really deserve maybe to be uh, <laughs> reconsidered, thoroughly reconsidered. But uh, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Every every year I start with a blank page and I really, really enjoy that experience. So so you haven't gone back and done sequels or I have I have not I, I I have also not done Nano Edmo, which, you know, is is another thing that I frankly uh, deserve to do. I deserve to to edit some of the some of the stuff. Oh, I don't know about that. What is what is? Uh... I, you know, I'm not sure it's part of the official like Chris Batty NaNoWriMo experience. I'm not sure if it is, uh, but it is a the sort of they break the six months apart, and you ideally if you come back and you actually go through and edit your book. 
collaboratively over the course of of a month. And, uh, you know, hopefully if you've NaNoWriMo'd, by the time you nano Edmo, you have a sufficient, you know, solid draft of the book that, you know, take takes out some of the drivel. Yeah. And what about you, Ryan? Uh, first time I did it was in 2011. Um, okay. And I I sort of went out of the, the gate doing it. Uh, I mean, not technically the way you're supposed to be doing it. I was already <laughs> drafting the Year of Lightning. Um, ah, okay. And I thought this would be a great way to push forward and, and try to, you know, get another 50K uh, written on that book. And so I was already going, I'd say I, I probably had a good, uh, 20 or 30 K, uh, at least written on that book at the, at, the, uh, at that time. Um, and, uh, I thought, you know, I, I'm a pretty heavy outliner, so I, I knew where most of it was going. So I thought, you know, it would be a great way to push forward. It was my, my first year writing, uh, you know, a real novel and it was the first year that I, I logged onto Twitter at all. And so that's where I heard about it. Cause everybody was, you know, all the, the, the baby authors, like I was the aspiring ones were, uh, were doing it. And so I thought, Oh, you know, it sounds like fun. So I'll give it a shot. Um, after that, I, uh, I did start something new with it. Um, I think it was a year or two. It was a good while after that, because after that I was I was drafting for a while still. Um, but I ended up getting about uh, well for Year of Lightning for that first year I, I did hit fifty k in that month. Um, for the second one, I think I only did about thirty. Okay, uh, yeah, and so I've, that's, I, that's that's what I started, mm-hmm. started winning is is did, that if you hit your fifty k, that was what yeah. I mean. But did did the second one end up as part of Time Shift trilogy at all? Or it did, uh, yeah, it did, huh? yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting because because it, doing it both of those those ways informed like hitting the fifty k and mm-hmm. not hitting the fifty k actually informed a lot of the advice that I still give to people now about exactly what you're saying, what it really means to win. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, this is a great topic. Yeah. So uh, for me, it was 2010. Uh, 2010, I kind of was when I consider the start of my career because I had been in a dead end job doing nothing, just thinking like, I'm going to be big. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be doing it and not writing a thing, not making any connections, not doing anything, just like waiting for Hollywood to call. Uh, but in 2010, sort of way I, f- I, I see I moved and changed jobs and everything, everything changed essentially. And then from then, I sort of started thinking about it in a professional capacity. And so when NaNoWriMo came up, which I never heard of until that point i was like oh well this is the way to 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 do it to to do it and i learned a ton of things (laughs) the first time sitting down to write anything anything of that length uh uh, you learn a lot Uh, and then i did next couple of years and then it i I stopped doing it not because i didn't like it or didn't really is because i was actually writing so it's sort of like NaNoWriMo is great for if, if you're not writing and not doing anything, it teaches you a lot of stuff. But by the time it came around, it seems like every time November came around, I was always working on something. So I salute you, Pete, for <laughs> continuing to, to do on every oh, time. And, and we should be clear. I shouldn't do it this year. I really shouldn't. <laughs> I have a lot to do. But, you know, there there is something that that I think is really important about it uh, for me personally, which is the 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 community of it. You know, I didn't start really feeling like I was succeeding at NaNoWriMo, succeeding at hitting, you know, 1667 plus every day uh, until I started going to the write-ins and doing the, and and Mm. building my community uh, on NaNoWriMo, which has been decimated so many times with website upgrades that who knows how many people (laughs) I'm still connected to, but um, you know, it's a work in progress, but I, I really value that experience. And I feel like my approach to NaNoWriMo is so different from the day job 
job and mm-hmm. the the kind of you know writing that I do day to day, which tends to be more journalistic, that I um, that I I feel like it it triggers something for me that is that is unique. And I, I have, I'm, I am, you know, podcasting is an audio medium. So you can't see that I'm, mm-hmm. I bow down on one knee to Ryan who has turned <laughs> such this, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I am a genuine fan of the time shift trilogy. All of my, my oh, kids, we've all you. read them and, and uh, really love the adventure therein. And, uh, and so uh, it is, it, it, I am, I aspire to that one day flipping over the, some of these, these manuscripts and saying, Hey, I could actually make maybe work something out of this experience. And so I don't want to give away NaNoWriMo without more of a fight. You know, like sure. I, I feel yeah. like I sort of need it. I need it yeah. every year. I, I think I think that's I think it's a valid uh, valid point. I mean, that it keeps your at least once a a year. Then it keeps your muscles. Yeah, lit, you know, like, like yeah. you're actively out and doing it and doing it. So like it's like your once a year marathon. Yeah. You right. get out there and just even though if you're not running the rest of the year, like you still prepare and get ready. And then... <laughs> is, that why, is that why I keep breaking my proverbial ankles every November? <laughs> that's, because that's I'm actually not writing fiction the rest of yeah. the year. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was supposed to be the summer of joy. <laughs> As you're going along and typing and typing and typing, then here comes Dalton on your left. Just whoosh, Yeah, exactly. Right that 100%. <laughs> so so we're all three writers. So so Ryan, you consider yourself a novelist. Yes. True? Yes. Um okay, primarily other things, but like novel you consider yourself a novelist like first and foremost. Yeah, I've written other things, uh but I, yeah, I do consider myself a, a novelist. There are other things uh, honestly, there are other things I'm better at. I feel like <laughs> I'm a better scriptwriter. Um okay. because characterization, group dynamics and dialogue I think are my strengths. Um, prose is, I mean, I love it, um, but I'm fairly utilitarian with prose. Um, and I, you know, where I, where I gain my most joy is, uh, you know, is dialogue and, 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 and that kind of thing. And and scripts tend to be so, you know, so dialogue heavy and, Mm -hmm. you know, the description tends to be a lot more utilitarian that I really enjoy that as well. And, uh, I'm, I'm still sitting on a green arrow script that, uh, (laughs) the graphic novel script that I, I hope I can. I can get him to take at some point because I'm really proud of it. Um, but yeah, primarily I'd say novelist. Okay. And as a Pete, do you have a, a particular place you land? In yeah, terms of it's, what, it's, what kind of, I mean, all the different writing you do, yeah. this like, this is my wheelhouse. Well, in terms of what kind of writing I do, like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, fiction. NaNoWriMo is great, but it is, it is mm-hal. a novel. I mean, basically yeah. that's what it's set up as, is like national novel writing month. The idea is right. that you're writing a novel. Yeah. And and I so my first one is uh, just straight up adult literary fiction. It is a story of a, a guy who loses his best friend from college and ha- does a long road trip across the country with the guy's the, the dead friend's girlfriend that he'd never met, and it's their experience, sort of bonding over the memories of this dead person. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know where that came from. There were no superheroes in it. There were no you know psychic powers. Nothing. That's kind of. Otherwise, that's kind of where I go. I tend to be like, I, I I don't remember where I heard it, but it was like, I live in the real world. Why would I want to fantasize there? Uh, and <laughs> <Yeah>. so um, <laughs> I I tend to, I tend to go to, yeah, right. There are robots <laughs> there. De- definitely, you know, I, I am big around you know, older teenagers discovering that they have superpowers. And Mm -hmm. that's really, that's really fun for me, that kind of experience, because it takes me back. And I like, I like, 
that time in my life. And, mm-hmm. and I like exploring sort of ideas there. So I tend to be more of an adventure r- writer. Um, this year, it's more horror thriller that I'm, I'm planning, but I've never gone in. This is, I'm, I'm interested because, you know, Ryan says he's, he's a heavy outliner and mm-hmm. I have the luxury now of having listened to your conversation about whether you're a planter or a pantser. <laughs> and, uh, I, I have been since I started very much a pantser. This is the first year I'm going in with any sort of idea of where the, the story is, is going. And I'm, I'm really excited and sort of terrified uh, about whether I can live up to my own outline. So uh, I keep Brian, thinking, sorry, about, about your your road trip story about what if he discovers like two thirds of the way through that the girlfriend is a robot. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I mean, or yeah, it could be and a whole that's when the situation. aliens show up. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's like that's like a day 20 of NaNoWriMo where he's like, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Right. Vampires now. OK, sure. Why not? <laughs> Suddenly it's a Cloverfield sequel and uh-huh. it's all coming. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you the the conversation that I've had with uh, with people before and people who like are not in any way in the professional writing space at all, just who reached out and said, well, like it was like the brother of a friend of mine or the cousin or like, hey, I'm thinking of writing a book. Do you have any advice? Mm -hmm. And I've learned that my first question to them is, do you want to be a traditionally published author or do you just want to write a book? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If their thing is, I just want to write a book, maybe self, self-publish self it. I don't care if anybody reads it. It's very easy advice. Yeah, sure. Go do that. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's not much more than that. But if they say, I want to be a published, traditionally published novelist, then what I do now, rather than saying you can or can't, I give them a five-minute snapshot of my 10-year journey to publication. Nice. And if the end of it, at the end of it, they don't run screaming, maybe they can do it. <laughs> and I don't, I just leave it up to them. Usually what happens is I finish, there's a sigh, there's a silence and they go, oh. <laughs> um, but the ones that say, okay, and I can tell them pro- they're processing, maybe they'll do it. Uh, and and yeah, I, I would welcome either one, you know, writings. Yeah, like you said, most of us tend not to be gatekeepers. It's not a zero-sum game. Sure. It's not like if they buy your book, they're not going to also buy my book. Right? There's actually it's actually the opposite. <laughs> uh, yeah, a better chance that they go in, they're going to pick up something else at the same time. Yeah, I mean that's that's why you do multi-author events at bookstores and right. stuff. You're always, always, almost always going to scoop up extra sales from someone who came to see somebody else. And um, so, yeah, for me, it's just about just being really real with someone and saying, like, you know, hey, this is what it takes. If you love it, you're going to do it, and it doesn't matter if it hurts sometimes. But if you don't love it, then, you know, it just here's the reality. I guess this is the experience of, of you know, of flipping a coin and only knowing which side you wanted to land when you get the other side, right? Like, uh, I right. think your experience, <laughs> Kyle, is, is a really good one because, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think the novelists are the gatekeepers in the industry, in the, like, writing oh, right. of fiction creation. There are already plenty of gatekeepers elsewhere in the, <laughs> oh, in the industry. Oh, yes, right? absolutely. So but there is so, that thing of, like, with actors... There, yes. there, there tends to be that kind of thing of, of more of a, a competitive spirit between yeah. them. There's a, yeah, right. There's a competitive aspect yeah. to a lot of it because there's a lot of the cattle calls and, and you know, yeah, sure. trying for the same part. It's, there's everybody's going to the same point. Of course. But but I, I do think that there is something to this experience of having been having demonstrated to yourself that you can churn out the a novel length work mm-hmm. to see if it's for you. 
Right. And like you said, it took you 100,000 words or more to discover that it's not really for you. But that doesn't mean it wasn't worth the worth the try. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, absolutely. Very, I'm very happy to have it. Like, I'm happy that like, because when, at the time when I did the, the first one and I, and I actually... I have a weird I have a weird mental thing that I've yet to harness is that I can write to a length <laughs> and that like I said like someone will say like oh I need a I need a you know a 22 minute thing okay and I write and I'll get to the end and I'll go and the end I'm like oh that 22 pages like I mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know I wish I could figure out a way to find, to make that work financially for me uh, <laughs> but I basically wrote the end and it was like my 50,000th and one word or whatever oh, wow. I, was, I was I was within like a hundred <laughs> words of like the actual length and like I mean I went back and edited and stuff too but like it was like it was it wasn't like I got to the end and then went oh, okay I could just keep I'll just keep going on you know it was like mentally I was like here's the goal <laughs> and I got there yeah. and it was like and they all went home the end <laughs> well this is this is my challenge with with word length in general is that I my experiences of not being what I consider successful at NaNoWriMo come when I hit word, you know, 49,502 mm-hmm. and discover what the what the story is about. Yep. And then I end up with at 80,000 words at the end of November and I'm nowhere close to actually writing the end. And <laughs> yeah. then I abandon it because yep. I'm one of those people that when I hit a deadline, like I move on. And yep. so like I have that's that's the kind of material that's just sitting there. I have a zombie story that I think is fantastic. And my protagonist and the crew have been hanging out at this abandoned house in Bellingham for like six years. And I don't yep. know what's going to happen to them. Yep. Uh, I, I, somebody maybe, should check on Maybe uh, your design people should meet my space crew yeah. who got yeah. 50,000 <laughs> words into their adventure, got stuck on a planet of robots, and are still there. <laughs> Finn, the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's what happened to me is I, I got I hit that that thing and I even went beyond and then and like same thing it was like December happened and then all of a sudden there's holidays and all this life stuff sure. and it's still sitting I don't even know where it is it's somewhere in a, on a hard drive somewhere yeah, I never went back to it so I have one complete story and oh yeah, what I was saying is at the that year was nice they actually allowed they gave you a discount on getting it published I mean not published in terms of like but like they yeah. gave you a physical copy so I actually had right. a friend who's a graphic designer designed me a cover and sent it in. And actually, I have that book sitting on my shelf, which gives me great joy that there is like one physical copy of my book that I can go and pull down. I don't think I'd ever let anybody read it because <laughs> I'm a much better writer now than I was then. But it's nice that I, I have this actual physical thing. Meet Zinnia. You are being very polite to someone who is attempting to kill us. Her wife's suffering. You can plan all you want, but what matters is what you do when your plan falls apart. And their best friend, Goldie. Glad we didn't miss all the fun. Swords in hand, they defend their city from the worst of humanity. I am Lord Buxton Blue. Vicious Swab. The Fraconian Rake. Herhig. Equity Electric. Follow their adventures on the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society audio drama podcast. Available now at truestory.fm slash swashbuckling. All right, welcome back. Let's talk about specifics then. So, um, uh, see, when, when we were talking about this idea, Ryan, you were, you had a you know, thing you were talking about the the like how you measure success and having a a workable thing at the end of it so Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about like what you consider like sort of what we were talking about before winning like yeah um the end of it 
Yeah, it's like you, you got to define for yourself what you think winning would be. I mean, the technical NaNoWriMo win is hitting 50K, um, which is great depending on the kind of writer you are. Uh, and if you're a, a different kind, it's not so great because if you hit 50K and you can only use 10 of it, did you really win? It, it's one thing if you're like the type of discovery writer that once you're there, like it takes us 50K for you to kind of figure out the story and then you're good. That to me is that that's just the work you got to do if that's your style. Um, but if you want 50K of a story of a novel and you you just push through it and push through it to get that 50 and then, you know, at least like at least half of it, you're going to end up cutting it. It wasn't worth it. Would it wouldn't it be more worth it? And I say this, you know, I can only go from my own experience to if you need to go a little slower, um, take a the time that you need when you need it. And if you only do 30K or 35, but you can keep, you know, the vast majority of it, isn't that closer to winning than writing 50 and keeping 10? Because um, if the goal is to complete a novel and not just complete a novel, but complete a novel for the eventual goal of publication to me i i think you got to balance the the contest with the quality of the work that you're trying to put out um and, and a lot of it is just learning learn which this this nanorama is great for maybe like you guys have seen learning what kind of writer you are and what your needs are if you're the kind who like i know writers and i mean new york times bestsellers <laughs> that literally they get their like their concept and their, their general ideas figured out and they lock themselves in a room for a month and nearly kill themselves to get it written. But then it's written and then it, you know, and then it's just like, they completely bleed out on the page and then, you know, they go kind of into editing mode after they recover from that. And, you know, Hey, bestsellers, it works for them. There's people, then there's people like me who I, I've learned through the process that, um, 50 K a month is too much for me <laughs> and that I really like, um, because I can be fairly, you know, fairly disciplined, you know, as far as like my writing routine. And I like, I, I, I hate to call it this, uh, cause it's not, not what it feels like, but I mean, it's, it's, I like the grind. It's the, mm -hmm. the grinding of like, you know, Hey, I've got four days a week and you know, each that I'm going to write. And each of these days I've got, uh, you know, several hours that uh, I'm going to write and I can like my, my energy has a steady flow that way. Um, and it, you know, kind of the, the wheels stay greased and it's like, but it's also giving my brain enough time to marinate in it and, and, and give it some thought. Uh, so I'm, I guess more of a marathoner than a sprinter. Um, there are some people who need the sprint, like in order to energize them. Um, but I, I, uh, I think for, there are people who maybe cling to NaNoWriMo who shouldn't, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll get into, into that part too yeah. I, 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 guess, I know I'm, I'm rambling here I'm just no, trying no, to fine. yeah I, I have I guess I I don't disagree with you but I sort of see it in a different way and then and then Pete you can you can weigh in uh with, with which way you want to go or or have a third way um I think the, one of the best things that NaNoWriMo taught me and I think taught a lot of people is the number one thing a writer needs to learn is butt in chair and I think that is one of the things that I think NaNoWriMo is best at doing, where mm -hmm. you can, if you want to become a, oh, this is this is this is the difference in what you want to be too. I mean, like you know, Salinger writes one book and 
and boom, you know, done. And like, it's like everything else is, is, is secondary. What I wanted to be as a writer is prolific. So like, I wanted to have a catalog. I wanted to put out a bunch of stuff. I wanted, and I wanted to try a bunch of things. And so, but, but I did nothing for all this time until sort of NaNoWriMo made this thing of like, every day you have to put down 1500 words. You have to sit down in front of their computer or, or now or phone or tablet or whatever you have access to piece of paper, if you want to transcribe it um, and put out content. Like you have to, to put out 1500 you know, new words on a new story. And, other. and it, so it teaches you that you have to commit the time to being in front of your device and putting stuff out there to push everything else away and put it on there. So I'm not as concerned of that of having a finished thing as much as I am in someone learning that this is how it works for all writers. That we have to, you like, what is it? Uh, I'm trying to think. It's a John Updike who said, I don't know where the ideas come from, but I know where they go. And that's in front of my computer. And if I'm not there, I, I'm not going to get them. Uh, so it's, it's that it's, I think teaching that is a vital fundamental part of any sort of newbie writer uh, to becoming a professional professional i use the term loosely, but like, you know, a, a prolific writer that they want to be is, is that part. What do you think, Pete? I, I think my yeah, that's, the lesson. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, the lesson I learned early. I mean, in, in college, uh, from a uh, writing instructor, and uh, you know, I got my undergraduate degree in writing, and and so the that lesson that I learned then was writing doesn't begin until you get your first draft out. Right? <laughs> it doesn't begin until right. you start editing it. And yeah. that I always found was really valuable because it taught me when to seek feedback. It taught me when to start incorporating other ideas and and when to do that. So for me. Th- I have I have two conditions for what I consider a, a win for NaNoWriMo. One is, you know, did I hit 50,000 words? Because that implies your point, Kyle. That implies I'm sitting down every day and I'm doing the work. Yes. Uh, the second is, can I say the end of the story when I'm at the end of the experience? Because that tells me that I have something I feel like I can start to edit. Given my life and time and schedule and the fact that I'm not writing fiction full time and, you know, all of that. Like, I need both of those things. I need at least 50,000 words and I need to be able to say the end and be satisfied in that. Because then I'll know I have something I can go back and, and start workshopping and edit. That's when when I feel like the real work begins. Um, you know, I've written a number of plays, I've written a number of scripts and things like that. And all of that really feels like it begins for me at that first serious edit. That's the first time I wrap my my head around the entire story. So uh, that's why I say, you know, I've, I have finished three NaNoWriMo books in all those years. Because those were the ones I could write the end at the end of and feel like if 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 I gave it to anybody, they might think it's a piece of crap, but they'll at least feel like the story's finished. So those are the things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, you know, I, I find really aspirational and sort of fueling to get to to the end of NaNoWriMo. And I actually to Ryan's point, I actually don't have a problem with writing 50, 60,000 words and keeping 30 of it in the edit, because I don't count anything that comes after that the editing process as anything other than workshopping the work, I may need to write 20,000 more words to feel like it's publishable. But, you know, that speak, spoken as a guy who hasn't actually published any of the crap that he's been writing. <laughs> <laughs> to the guy who has written a number of books that he actually that I actually really love, uh, I, I recognize how weird that sounds. But that that's not a problem for me, sort of conceptually. Like I don't run into that roadblock. 
Well, the beauty of of all of this is that is one. It, and this is one of the things that underscores one of my favorite things about writing is that when it comes to process, there's no wrong answer. What right. works for you is exactly. the only right answer. Is what works for me, uh, and I think there's a certain type of person for whom Nano is perfect. Um, and there's a certain one like me who I'm a fan of the idea of it, but it's not perfect for, for my process. Um, as far as like, you know, in, in general, I may, I may do it sometimes to kind of bolster my word count, but, um, part, and part of it for me, part of the reason that like, for me, like 50 K a month is, is too much. It's because, um, I can't sustain the emotional energy that I need for mm-hmm. that long uh, like contain like within that shorter period Um, mental wear and tear i need emotional recharge time um there's um i hadn't really thought about it until um april and pike who blurbed my my latest book um she she read it and and was a fan of it and she said you write with your whole heart (laughs) (laughs) and i hadn't put that into words before but as soon as she she said it i realized yeah that's true and if you're someone who writes with your whole heart, if you try to do 50 K in a month, your heart will explode (laughs) or just burn out and become a husk. And um, so that recharge time to me is, is key. And it's one of the reasons that like, like a consistent repeatable schedule is the perfect way for me to do it. Um, But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think nano is great. If you're, if you're the type who can can sit and, and, and blow blow through those words and like that's a satisfying energizing thing for you. Yeah. Um yeah, I think I think it's great. And there are some people who need the the is a sort of Pete, what you were saying is there are some people who, especially if they're early on in the days and maybe haven't completed much, the confidence of hitting the 50K, like the confidence boost that comes from from finishing something can be huge uh, and really energizing just to catapult them to, to something new. Um, I always try to kind of give my point of view for the people out there who are like me and, and may not realize that they're like me and, and wonder why Nano's like, like not perfect for them. You know, maybe just your energy flows differently. True. So let's talk a little bit about strategies. What, have you got? Uh, what works for I, you? Well, I, I, I would add to that. There are only a couple of things that I'm precious about in the writing process. And number one is there is, I found that I'm I'm just one of those people that there's a certain app experience that that matters to me that is just super clean and I get distracted by features and gadgets and and widgets and things like that. I just need to be able to type and as long as I I have an app that I can type on any device that I have in my hand at any given moment. Uh, I really appreciate that. And so I have chosen the app Ulysses on the Mac. That is where I do all of my creative writing. And I love it because I have it on all my devices. And once I realized that I can sit down, like you say, in the, in the, you know, while I'm waiting for my car to get serviced and write a paragraph, that's another 150 words toward the goal. That's another idea that's out of my head and in permanence uh, somewhere that I can then, you know, get back to elsewhere. So I'm, I'm really only precious about making sure that I have, the app experience that works for me that, that I feel like I can connect with. Um, and I'm, I'm just a little bit persnickety about, about that stuff. I'm, I'm a little bit persnickety it's, and I own it. Comes it. With the, it comes with the, the job. I don't set the, the, my standard to be any sort of, you know, candlelit moonlight lit cabin in the woods where I write mm-hmm. for 
20 hours a day. For me, it's sprints. It's short sprints. It's like I need to sit down and set it. I, I use a, a Pomodoro kind of a, a technique, right? I set, you know, timers and run for 21 minutes and then take a four minute break. And I do uh, several of those in, in a row, but that's kind of it. By the end of, of you know, sometimes two of those, I'm tapped out. And I've, I've generally written my, you know, my, um, my goal for the day and, and then I move on. I, I always, I, I'm one of those always leave them wanting more guys. Like if I have one more idea, I might write one or two words or bullets and then close the lid and save it for tomorrow. I want to like cogitate on it and, and, you know, I don't want to forget it. So I make notes, but I also don't want to write everything that's in, in, you know, that's in my head every time I have a writing session or I, I like feel like I don't have anything pulling me to the next day. So interesting. Okay. I would say for the, um, for the outliners who are uh, looking to do nano, um, maybe you're like me in that for me, I, I write at my best, um, and my most confident when I know where the story's going. Um, when I've got my the feel for my characters, I have my framework. I know what I'm writing toward. Now you you still definitely leave room for inspiration, and like if something hits you in the moment that you're like, oh, that's great, you got to leave room to to use that stuff. But um, if you're a plotter uh, and trying to prepare for NaNoWriMo, you know, figure out as much of it and discover as much of it as you can before November begins, because um, then. When you as the more that you can figure out about who your characters are, where the story story is going, um, kind of the the rhythm of the story, you're figuring that out. You're not having to stop over and over again and figure it out on the page while you're you're trying to hit your word count goal. You've you've already figured a lot of that stuff out, and now you are executing. Um, so a lot pre work is going to be very important for plotters who want to hit the 50k or come close to the 50k in nano you know just give yourself the space beforehand to discover what you need to discover and then you can just go when it's time to go um for me personally um if i'm out and about i'll definitely get ideas and like maybe a scene idea or a line of dialogue idea um i can't like sit and write whole scenes on my phone i may i may outline something but um when i'm like ready to draft I usually need at least a couple hours just for headspace. It's just it's just so my brain knows that it has enough room uh, to maneuver. Um, so I try to give myself that that space to you know feel free mentally to write. Yeah, my friend Laurie says uh, I always know uh, when I'm ready to write is that all my laundry's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just I have one thing to add to that, and I I live with ADHD, and there is a, a for anybody else who's who's maybe dealing with neurodivergence, the the idea of satisfying your that part of your brain and like to get the juices flowing like i need to stop for 15 minutes and set a timer and like play a video game or something like just to just to get my mind free of task lists um that that sometimes i can get really hyper focused on and and never start to write because i'm really good at figuring out what things i i need to do next that aren't writing like the laundry is just uh, please like hold Mm -hmm. my beer like Mm -hmm. i will be rearranging and rebuilding furniture before long like it just doesn't (laughs) doesn't take that much so like there is something to that like i need to stop and really do something totally frivolous for a little bit just to to turn on like there's there's a piece Mm of that um for me so i had to make some some big mental shifts and 
my old process during all the pandemic stuff, just because yeah. 90% of the stuff I, I wrote before this, I, I didn't write at home. I don't care for writing at home. Mm-hmm. I would go to coffee shops, libraries, anywhere yeah. where there's people, where there's energy. Um, libraries are my big thing too. Yeah, I always really uh, enjoyed that. And so writing this, this last book that I wrote um, this past year, um, completely at home was, um, it was a real mental shift and, and, uh, I had to do what I could, could to try to, uh, yeah, mentally say, okay, well, this is the new reality. So we're still going to write. Um, but yeah, I miss my coffee shops. Get you get your uh, the ambient mixer and have like the coffee shop sounds going on around you, and then every once in a while as you're typing, just randomly bump yourself. Oh. <laughs> right, so, yeah, fine, fine. <laughs> well, the, the great irony is that this this will tell you my how my my quirkiness is that I loved like the whole you know stereotypical writer sitting in a coffee shop type thing, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hear other people, so I use noise canceling headphones. Yep, yep me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's like I want to see you, but I don't want to hear you. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I have misophonia anyway, so I'm super sensitive to annoying sounds or sounds that, um, like inevitably there's going to be one guy who won't shut up and his voice like will like pierces into my brain mm-hmm. uh and so the noise canceling like really like shuts him out so he can't do any damage and um but yeah i mean <laughs> the, the the plus side is that writing at home that guy's not in my house um True. but uh but yeah i i do miss the energy i look forward to going back to coffee shops the, the energy and the light and not those specific voices like i'm with you on the noise canceling as long as everybody's voice is is munged into the level yes. of like a peanuts adult right yeah, like it's a curtain oh, of I white noise that. yes yeah i can still hear that there's activity and i need that because it like raises the the you know the sound floor to the point where i have to turn on in order to tune it out and mm-hmm. that i feel like makes me sort of fire a little bit a little bit better um, yeah and i haven't i have i have only gone to a coffee shop once where i have sat inside in the last you know 18 months and i i too i miss it that's it's maybe november is maybe it's time yeah uh, and obviously schedule is all another big thing that i think that people deal with and a lot of people i think don't take this on because they're worried about that because they're busy and have a lot of stuff going on and absolutely valid However, I think there are ways you can you can circumvent that. I, I know some people who actually do all of theirs on the weekend. So like they basically wait and they do it, which my God, <laughs> it's hard. That's enough a lot of words for me, like to sit down and go 1500 words. <laughs> OK, I can do this. But to now sit down and go, all right, right, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, for whatever it builds up over the course of, of the week and then like Saturday, you know, from like two to one to bedtime, you have to just like power through. But. I, I, I salute you because I, I can do that. But I, I, I started to think of like, okay, I have to have my precious writing time, like from seven to eight or whatever. Like kids are going to bed, and like this is my time, and everything. But then the more it went on, the more I was like, why, why, why do I need to do this even on, at once? So like that's when I started like doing stuff where I'm like, oh, well, I got, I'm on lunch break. I can, I can do it while I write. So then I would start doing like, okay, 500 here, 500 here. And then you can even go 200 words here to 200 words is nothing. That's a paragraph. Like you yeah. can knock that out anywhere. And so once you start doing that, you can sort of little bites of the apple all the way through. It's, it's bird by bird. And so you don't have to think about like getting to that one hour where I have to like, you know, crank out uh, 1500 words, you can do it in little bits. But like I said, this is what we're talking about. Everyone is different. So what, what, that, that's what worked for me. What worked for you guys? Did, did you actually just like sit down and just say, 
I'm going to sit here and tell my 1500 words are done. When, when I started, I did. When I started, that was my, at the very beginning, I was like, okay, I know that 15, 50,000 divided by 30 is 1666.666 repeating words right. a day. <laughs> I need to hit that. And so I did. And almost to the, I would stop like in the middle of a sentence if I, if mm -hmm. I did that. And then I realized, you know what? I can actually give myself a break. And I, I evolved to where you are with it, Kyle. And I, I think I, you know, I, I will often be sitting writing at my desk and somebody will say, Hey, you got to go. You got to come with us. We're going to the pumpkin patch or whatever. And I'll take my phone and I'll keep writing another paragraph. Just one more idea. Uh, you know, to, to make sure I know where to pick up like that kind of a thing. You're absolutely right. How fast the words add up when I can free myself of, of having to have an, an hour, but just jotting down an idea, even in a rough form. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, if the word count is important to you uh, to, to make nano successful, that's a great way to do it is to break it up into much smaller chunks, rougher yeah. to create a, you know, a good <laughs> narrative you have to massage more, oh, sure. I think. But <laughs> but in, in you put in that later you go on, that's a gift yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Because that's one less thing you have to think of that you look at me and go like, oh, right, this is the point where the moose comes in. And you're like, eh, all right. <laughs> Suddenly now walking through the door moose. was the most beautiful moose I'd ever seen. <laughs> uh, I tried to treat the 1500 like when I could, like, like, like the, the minimum, like par, you know, like, oh, I'll hit okay. that. I'll hit the 1500. If, if I'm still feeling it, if I've got, you know, more in the tank, I'll just keep going until I don't. Um, and the nice thing about that is that if the next day I'm clawing like for every word and I hit to mm -hmm. 1200 and I can't possibly do anything else without it being crap, fine, I'll stop. You know, I, I exceeded yesterday. Um, so that's kind of how I did it. I, you know, I, I would just, uh, you, and this is just a thing for you do it enough. You kind of learn yourself when you hit the wall where you're like, anything I put out now is, is not going to like, it's, it's not going to stick. I'm going to end up deleting it. Then for me, I thought, well, I might as well just, just save the energy and turn in now and start again tomorrow. I think there's a, I, I really, I love that because there is a point I think in nano where you're sitting at a coffee shop <laughs> and you don't quite know what's happening next. Yeah. And so you start writing about the coffee shop. And suddenly, <laughs> suddenly your entire setting is in a coffee shop. And that redheaded uh, man over there, yeah, he's in your book now. That's when you should stop. You should just stop. You've run out of gas. And it's, it's like from the nano perspective, and I know this is one of those like no plot, no problem, uh, Chris Batty kind of bits of advice. When word count and the goal of convincing yourself that you can do a hard thing is your number one mission, mm -hmm. writing about the characters in the coffee shop is a very important trick to be able to pull out of your back pocket and just yeah. to churn out words. But in terms of the story, you know, you've run out of gas when you start writing about the redhead. <laughs> All right. So as we, as I say, as we, as we sort of wrap up, are there any, any other pieces of uh, advice or anything you want, you want to give to the, the hardworking word scribes out there uh, trying to do this? Anything that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, I, I'm curious your stance uh, on editing as you write when you're in the nano process, because I think that is one last little chunk that I think is um, different for everybody, but also might be different in nano than out. 
So I'm curious how you guys. Dalton and I are diametrically opposed. I think they're not opposed, but like it's I, opposite of this. So I'll let him. I go feel first. like I can predict what each of you are going to say. <laughs> I just want to put it out there as a podcast grenade. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the last podcast they ever did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, we're it done just professionally. <laughs> Dunzo. No. Um, if, again, this is always with a caveat of you know just just learn what works for you. Um, mm-hmm. If you're the type of person like me, who if you know there's some you know there's something wrong that you've left behind, and it's going to be a splinter in your brain the entire time, go edit it, go fix it, polish it. Um, if it means you're you know a thousand words short at the end of Nano, but you have a a better manuscript at the end, you in my book you still won. Um, but there are some people who that interrupts their their flow and they'd rather just get it all down and go fix it later. If you can like not think about that problem, you know, is there uh, and just, yeah. and you know, go to the end, do it. Um, but if that's going to impede your pro your process and it's uh, then, and you need like the scaffolding to be there for the end to like hold up, then, you know, go fix the scaffolding. I, well, I think it's a vital part. I think it's it's the yin yang. It's the balance. Like you have to have that. I think they are also diametrically opposed forces. So I think, especially for NaNoWriMo, I say take your inner editor, tie him up, put him in the back of a car, drive the car off a cliff. Like he'll survive. They're tough little bastards. Um, but like, don't edit anything. My, my advice is basically let it flow, let it rip. Do not stop for anything. Do not go back. Like if you write a sentence you don't like it, don't erase it write it again, like write whatever the, the, the preferred version of it right then, because I don't want anyone activating that side of their brain at all in the creative process. Like editing is, is super, super important, but I think it is a second part of it. Like you're talking about nano Edmo or whatever vital part, but not part of what we're not part of this. You know, it's like, like you say, like, like don't say it. it's absolutely right. I mean, in terms of if it's going to nag at you and bother you and all that stuff. But the problem is, is then you're stopping the creativity river or whatever, because you have to go back and fix a little thing. And now you have to start the whole process over again, because once the editor is, is there and once he's engaged, vital to the process, really freaking annoying when you're trying to, to get something creative going. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm against that. I, I think that is a a. A thing that needs to be done on a separate thing because it engages a different part of your brain. And I think the two don't work together very well. I think we can, I think editing print probably be a topic for a whole conversation though that we could get into yeah. and stuff too. But like in terms of a, a nano, in terms of just letting it go, like, yeah, the, the less impediments you can, you can come up with. I put, your own uh, mind. yeah, I, I think I'm probably between you guys. I, I, um, I also like to just get the words on the page, vomit the yep. words on the page. Yes. But for anything that becomes a splinter, I have a keyboard shortcut. And if I hit shift, control, option, command, question mark, uh, <laughs> that inserts three interrobang characters in my okay. text. And then I can do a command F and search for three interrobangs and I can just skip down to all the things that I, that I, while I was writing, I thought this is going to be a thing I need to fix later because I don't use a lot of interrobangs in my writing. <laughs> so <laughs> I found this like as a workaround for me, it's like effectively just a, a checkbox that says, you know what, while you were writing this, you didn't feel a hundred percent great about it. And it, it might impact something down the road. I usually on the weekends during nano, 
I might take a few extra hours and just mm. kind of skim the stuff that I've already written. So I make sure I'm still actually writing the story now that I started with two weeks ago. Mm. Um, because I think in a, in an event like Nano, that's a risk <laughs> that, mm. you know, and it certainly is for me that when I get to, you know, word 40,000 that I, I'm not writing the same story that I was in word one. And so I, I need to, to make sure, but who knows this month might be different because I'm actually doing the uh, patented uh, Ryan Dalton approach to writing a novel and actually planning it first. So <laughs> You've we'll see how that it? works. That's amazing. Oh man. I, I have not been cashing At in on that. Like I should have. I got to start get, enforcing that patent. When, <laughs> yeah, say, when, you, <laughs> when you publish, you can get his seal of approval. Which uh, is for see, only I can get the Ryan Dalton seal. Stamp. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, if you got it, you'd find out exactly how much that stamp is worth. So let's just, let's just leave that as a mystery. It's just a so pen and a meditation yeah. candle with a wreath around it. That's all it is. Or it's just a guy shrugging like, I don't know. <laughs> Good enough for me. Uh, all right. So so obviously, hopefully, uh, in terms of like we all have different opinions, we all have different ideas, we have different processes. So hopefully through listening to this, you've found something that will help you do it. So for all you NaNoWriMo warriors, we salute you. We, we uh, It is a great process. I, like, I learned so much about myself and about writing and about the process by doing it. Uh, so I, I, I wish you all your, your daily word counts and uh, that, that you win, no matter how you consider winning. Uh, so anyways, as, as we're silencing our inner editors, uh, we're going to engage our, our inner creativity and we're going to make something together. So uh, stick around. We have one more thing to do before we all uh, head on our merry way. So stay tuned. Here we are at the Man Cave, where we hope to catch a glimpse of the Mandys, two best friends with nothing in common except their name in their natural habitat. Wait, we've spotted Mandy Kaplan. Fucking A, I'm out of olives. And here's Mandy Fabian. Who threw this banana peel in the trash? It's compostable. They seem to be circling one another. Cheers! Every week, they hunt down a movie, TV show, or trend and drag it back to the cave to completely disagree over. Okay, I'm just saying Melissa McCarthy can do no wrong. Two words, thunder and force. Okay, that was one bad movie. Happy time murder? Uh, Will this friendship become endangered? I see where you're going with this, but she herself is a national treasure. Find out each week in the Man Cave. Thanks for naming the show after me. Oh, that's okay. It's actually named after me. What now? Okay, let's let's make something together. All right, so I had uh, Dalton pick the stuff before, so I'm going to have Pete do it this time. So uh, I have 17 genres. So please choose number between <laughs> one and 17. Uh, I uh, f- feel like we're going to operate best at the extremes, so I will pick okay. 17. Nice. Oh, it is a tale of. Suspense. See what I did there? Ooh. There we go. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. All right. Write that down. Suspense. All right. Next. Are you like bracketing while we do this? <laughs> <laughs> we have 30 possible locations. Choosing a number between one oh, and I, 30. I'm still picking. We're not You're going still back. Picking. Yeah, we got oh, three things. Me. We're going to do a genre, oh, okay. location, and object. And yeah, then, I did so these all last time, great. so it's all you. We're going to create something. Okay. Yeah. This is a suspense story, and it is going to be at location number one. Oh, number one. It is Extremes. at a lemonade stand. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> All right, and okay. uh, we have we're going to involve an object. So I have thirty different objects, <laughs> thirty thousand objects. <laughs> uh, we're going to be object number twenty-two. Twenty-two. Okay, it is ooh a syringe. Oh. <gasps> Oh yeah, fertile ground. Okay. Fertile ground. How did you was... know what my nano book was about this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did some research on the side, and <laughs> this is this is just to help you get through nano. Oh, okay. right. Yes, yeah. right. This is an exercise. I We're now going to outline your novel for you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Begins with a guy in a coffee shop. Uh, okay, guy, so yeah. it's a suspense story uh, involving a lemonade stand and a syringe. Okay, so. My first thought is, let me stand, see, if we do a syringe and lemonade stand in suspense, it leads to children. I don't really like that. Can we make a lemonade stand be a lemonade store? Or like a um, hard lemonade stand? Yeah, a, I was just uh, going to say, it's there a you hard go. lemonade. This I was thinking be like sort of a... Uh, at a fair. Like a, a, at a fair. Port, they, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's good. Lemonade I was like, da- like, like, like daiquiris or artisanal or lemonade place in like, you know, yeah. in Seattle or whatever. Like they're like a... Uh, sorry, but like you want to do... Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, like a, I can imagine a, going in and getting like a vodka lemonade sort of yeah. uh, daiquiri Artisan, kind of smoothie artisanal, or Yeah. Okay. Lemonade. Okay. So okay. So the, like a okay. So a, a concert, a festival, a fair. What do you think? Um, what That's just one idea. I'm, uh, I'm imagining like a like a a boardwalk kind of a thing. Okay. Like, uh, uh, or okay. Street fair. Street fair. Something like that. Something there's a lot of people like, moving through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we are like we are. It is as we record this, it is the spookiest time of the year. Right. <laughs> we, and, and I mean, it could be like an All Saints Day kind of a festival. Okay. It could be a Dios de los Muertos kind of a thing. They, isn't isn't frozen lemon hard lemonade a, a staple of, what of if we, our what Mexican if we put it on fairs? like a beach side boardwalk okay. or something that. Okay. is that you know if it's still in october kind of a warmish day and people are at the beach they may still they may still in the fall think i would like a you know nice refreshing adult lemonade mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so this tale of suspense and involves a syringe so mm-hmm. um what's in the syringe so is it like a someone has poisoned a particular lemonade or they're Buying a lemonade the, for their the person they're with, and they've injected it with somebody something. is injecting lemons. Mm-hmm. It's yes. got to be oh, injecting, injecting lemons. You, you have to imagine that they're making fresh squeezed lemonade out of some sort of injected mm-hmm. lemon supply. So okay. I'll tell you the the first concept that popped into my head. If it's too derivative, or you want to do something else, shoot it down. But uh, my first thought was almost treating it like a. Uh, like a phone booth type situation okay. where the lemonade guy gets a call and he's like, and the guy on the phone is like, um, I have a sniper rifle trained on you. Look mm-hmm. under the thing. And there's a syringe. When this certain person comes to oh. order a lemonade, you're going to, you're going to put, you're going to poison their lemon. Uh, and if you don't, then uh, you're going to be dead before they walk away. There we uh, go. So kill this person with a, you know, poisoned lemon or you're dead. That's just one idea. And it's called the squeeze. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like that. I like yes. that because yeah. I was I was thinking of uh, that that same sort of idea of like that Alfred Hitchcock ordinary guy brought into extraordinary situation mm-hmm. uh, sort of thing. I was thinking I, I was thinking of like a like a, a spy something or other too. Like some somebody puts something in the lemonade and then it's like when are they going to drink it too? But I like that idea of the 
the ordinary person now brought into this because they know the person is going to stop. And so what are the, so, what is the person, what are their, what are their stakes? What is the person in the lemonade stand? Like, what is the thing that's going to keep ramping up the complicating uh, incidents in, in the story yeah, so as, it's, we, it's as we keep moving it something forward? Something crazy about that. Like, so like, okay, so let's say it's a, a, if it, let's say it's a girl who's like her last day of work before she leaves for college. Like this is uh, her last shift. So it's like, let me okay. say like this, so this time of year, so it's like fall-ish. So like the first semester of college is about to starting. And so they're, there's honestly like finishing the time and then, uh, but everybody in town is coming there too. So it's right. all of these, it's, you're seeing everybody in your town. You're and we start the transition. story where her entire future is ahead of her. Yes. Right? We have, yes. It's, she's like, finally, in, one is like she's the one who gets out. Right. Yeah, she gets the, right. She's the one who's going to get out. Uh, uh, and so this is her last shift at this place that she's worked for all the time. And she's managing, so there's no one above her or whatever. So she they can't, right. like, you know, say, boss, this person. And then, like, you know, exactly takes the call and then suddenly finds herself that now she has this thing she has to deal with. Potentially. Okay. Possibly murdering someone she doesn't know because the person doesn't tell them what the syringe is. I'm thinking That's of revising the sniper thing. What if they're they're watching with, like, a telephoto lens, but... They have rigged explosives in the booth. Yeah. So that so it looks like. So that it's not like, because I, I, I started to think, okay, well, couldn't she just like drop to the ground so that she can't be sniped? So right. what if, what if you, uh, you know, just rig the booth okay. so that if, if she fails, the yeah. whole booth goes and there's tons of collateral damage. You might kill a dozen people as opposed to one. Right. Yeah. So, so make that part of the stakes that they say like, yeah. well, you could go, but then it's the train the with the, the booth next to you. What's the, the trolley the dilemma the trolley or problem. Right. Yeah. The trolley problem. Right. So it's not, it's not just yeah. about you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. Why, why her, why this booth? Yeah, how did they? Yeah, how did the the person know? If if we're to believe this, so at this point we're mm -hmm. we're gonna we're acting as if the person who's making the call is legit, like they are a right, yeah, weird assassin who's doing well, this. We <laughs> we just assume that we write a scene where they prove that they can do what they say they're gonna do. Yes, like, yeah. So this isn't a prank. This isn't you know, yeah. scream. Or they whatever. do something like, to is. to demonstrate that they're they're serious, but it it can't be too big. It has to be something that only she would notice. But yeah. Then, but we, we just assume they've established their credentials as a murdering psychopath. What I was informed um, that there would be some sort of time shifting time play at work in this conversation. Uh, and so I would like to submit that possibly okay. the person who is calling her is her from another from another timeline. <laughs> oh wow. wow okay that adds so a whole sci-fi we've just made a sci-fi suspense time looping well, kind of a, of a you could experience. do some interesting stuff there You're because welcome. because if it's you would have to like scramble the voice on the phone so yeah. and make it sound maybe masculine or something just to you know sure. to throw you off the scent a little bit but part of the mystery could be how does this person know so much about me how do they know things about the people that are going to walk up to the booth how do they yeah. know things that nobody could possibly know? Uh, like, it, so that could yeah. be an interesting thing. Like, how is this person so well informed? Because in the end, this person ultimately is is trying to rectify a great wrong that she's already aware has happened. Mm -hmm. So she, yeah. it's a John, it's the John Connor good. scenario, right? We've mm. just thrown yeah. John Connor into the limit, or, or at least what she she perceives as a great wrong or injustice. Yeah. If she's the villain here, then it would have to, she would have to have a twisted sense of 
whatever she's trying to rectify. That, but that's what's so beautiful because she believes the she's the hero. Life. But she yeah. believes she's the hero, of course. Yeah, she yeah. believes this is 100% necessary. The small town life was the best time in her life. When yeah. she goes to college, everything goes gets worse and worse and worse and falls apart. Even though somehow at the end she gets time travel. It would have to go pretty well in order to end that way, but... <laughs> Well, maybe maybe she went to college for uh, some sort of physics degree. <laughs> maybe uh, yes, maybe that was her experience. And and this is a and so it's a there's a government. Uh, there's got to be some sort of government science sort of uh, uh, it, you know in, inserted here, right? Maybe that is how do we start stole, the time travel loop? She stole a device from DARPA, who she worked for after college. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how? Does injecting some uh, someone with poison at a lemonade stand fix her life? Well, there are we thinking that it's going to fix her life, or is there some other thing that she's trying to feel like? I mean, um, that's true. Feels, this could be that more about the person who comes to the booth and yeah. not about her, I the think, younger right. her at all. Yeah, like it would have to be something. A, 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 a spy thriller going on. It yeah, would have to be she is a something side character in that now someone has you know elevated her to a main character in yeah, right. and or it could be something that affected her in some way, but that yeah she still feels because I feel like in other in order for her to still feel like she's the righteous one, she would have to feel like she's writing a greater wrong than just something went wrong in my life. Um, so it'd have to be something with with you know bigger that I mean this could be like she's trying to take advantage of a butterfly effect thing like it doesn't appear that poisoning this one person's lemon is going to do anything. But if you, if you follow the chain, uh, you mm -hmm. know, 20, 30 years down the road and you have five, five, 10, 20 different people, uh, she's, she's been able to figure out that this one disruption stops this thing in the future that she's trying and, to fix. And I think that is, I, I think that's probably the story because it makes the, the lemonade stand uh, and and her younger self incidental like the the whole reason she's there is only because she happens to know because she was there the first time exactly when this these paths would all cross mm -hmm. they would all converge yep. right there and she just needs to to she knows she might have some influence and what buttons to push because she was the person getting the buttons pushed on her so mm -hmm. more looper than twilight zone yeah yeah that could be yeah what if it's somebody that that like she had an opportunity in her original timeline, like someone who did something bad. She she had an opportunity to stop them in their early days before they, you know, ramped up to whatever they were doing. And now she wants to go, like, take them out before they ever even, even have a chance to, I, I don't know, just throwing stuff out. What I love about this is this is like, you know, uh, like, hey, yeah. I know a guy who defuses bombs for the FBI. <laughs> I also know that he used to be in the, you know, uh, sell hot dogs on the side. Like this is, <laughs> this is one of those stories. It's like the, the Joe, every person just happens to become uh, the, the super agent. And how do you make it? How do you make it legit? She's yeah. No, I like it. Yeah, I, I guess think I Kyle's like convinced. Of, of a, well, I don't know, I, I kind of like I I really like that idea of the like cellular where it's it's you know it's the it's the mm -hmm. regular person who gets brought into it uh, where they get, that she becomes a super spy. It seems like 
my friend Lori would just call needlessly complicated. It seems like if she wanted to, like there's there are, it seems like there would be easier ways to do what she needs to do. This has to be the 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 only way she could find to do it without X, Y, and Z happening. So That's like, true. Why the, like why, why this way? Yeah, why this way? Of all of of all of the possible scenarios, why is is a syringe and a lemonade stand using time travel? <laughs> <laughs> the most efficient way <laughs> to do this and not have it be, eh, I just wanted to talk about time travel. You know? <laughs> okay. That's you know a I mean? fair point. That's a fair point. And I may be willing to rescind my time travel insertion. Maybe. <laughs> I just not, think not, we have I'm an expert play her here. from the future, you know, doing thing, but it, it has to, but like, but it has to be, it has to be airtight. And that, cause yeah. so we have to figure out yeah. today or whatever too. But um, I mean, I, I, I still, in, in, Liking all of the stuff leading up to that, like that, the call and mm-hmm. the, like all yep. that kind of stuff is like, cause that automatically is like, you get into that, what would I do in this scenario kind of thing? And then you have to think all the different ways, like, what could she possibly do? Cause she can't hang well, up the phone. Especially yeah, if she's got can, like one, one yeah. earbud in. And so the voice yeah. is constantly there. And so yeah. they can see her when she tries to do something like yeah. sneaky and, to, you know, to get away with something. Some tech paranoia of like, we know like where your phone is. You know, we can track yeah. it. Well, yeah. and because this is a just... set piece that really, I think the challenge would be not leaving this set piece, right? This is right. A, a one, never go to a second location, right? Yeah, so which right, I love. everything yeah. has to be yeah. through people coming by the lemonade stand. Yes. We have mm-hmm. to get, we have to get out of, out of that experience. Yeah. yeah. I love like the closed room, like, yeah, yeah, very, very claustrophobic and like, yeah. you can't, well, like, it's interesting. I, I had read about um, like four phone booth. They had, mm-hmm. I guess, sort of interviewed a, a number of, of directors for that that job. And they said the, the first batch of them, like almost all of them came in and said they're like their first question was, how soon can we get him out of the phone booth? And <laughs> and then and then Joel Schumacher comes in and he is all in on him never leaving the phone booth, which was what they wanted. And when you yeah. see the movie, that's the magic of it is that he's in that phone booth the entire time. So I feel like it's yeah. you could have the same tension here. Well, and I love that that constraint that she is we're at a, a fair, like some sort of outdoor mm-hmm. event, which yeah, is so big and open and explosive yeah. with energy. And she is still trapped like that's yeah. the that's the thing we have to have it. It has to be a serious enough threat that she doesn't feel like she can ever leave that space. So we yeah. can never leave that space. Well, right. and then part of the initial threat is, you know, if you run, I'm going to you may save yourself, but I'm going to blow the booth anyway. And anybody yeah. nearby is dead. Yeah, and and they can they can start describing people like what about that family the girl with the red balloon yeah. like what happens to her uh-huh. you know like so yeah. they know that their person is really watching and even have it in like real time like oops she dropped her ice cream cone you know yeah. like that kind of thing so they know <laughs> uh, yeah oh Not they're actually like they're really seeing that <laughs> yeah it's, or even it's have, probably uh, a someone, network of drones right <laughs> we gotta have drones be, or or even like you know she she uh, you know reaches out to pick up something comes back and there's something new sitting on the table. Oh, so they nice. know yeah. that there actually is someone like physically in the area. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but then it also becomes, yeah. how do they know they're going to go to lemonade stand? You know, how do they, you know, like how, like, how do they know that this is, this is the, of all the stands? Why not, okay. why not a pretzel? Mm-hmm. Like, why not, you know? Well, and that's what I was trying to do with trying to figure out why, uh, you know, why is there a special connection to her in the lemonade right. stand, right? And and yeah. if, in terms of making this a suspense fantasy, yeah, uh, you know, you know, I, I see, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a solid idea because 
it makes it, you we walk them down the path of thinking it's about the person who's being murdered. Yeah, but it's not. It's about her and the connection. Right. Right. And about setting her on a different path. Yeah. 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 It's like it's not. It's, it's, it's she wasn't chosen randomly. It was specifically about her. Everything else is just you know window dressing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah. what is the value proposition in the third act? Like, what are you yeah. what are you going to do to get her out of it? Yeah. Like, how does it resolve? Because I I think a, a strong case could be made that the the big conflict is not about a uh, you know a specific single antagonist that we're waiting for necessarily yeah. uh, and that it's really just the intrigue about figuring out who the you know why the the connection is right there but you could also go down the other road that there is a specific antagonist that we're trying to to find and rectify the situation to free her from her from her future history and then it was all just a terrible reality show <laughs> what <did> you kill <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> Put people under pressure I'm, and we see what happens. I'm kind of noodling around an idea. And this is the kind of thing that like you're never supposed to say out loud when it's half baked and you just thought of it. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is what writer's room is all about, right? I know. I'm just, just thinking about, about like <laughs> thinking about like cause and effect and limitations and like why she would do certain things and how could that tie into like the resolution at the end. What, what if one of the twists is it turns out that like her future self has not actually time traveled back. But but she has the tech that allows her to just uh, like communicate across, like like have a communication tunnel across time. But she's trying to make it look like she's actually there, um, but she's not. Mm-hmm. She's actually st- still in the future and communicating from her native time. But mm-hmm. maybe she she uh, you know threatens somebody else in in the same way and tricked them into doing the explosive thing. She's pulling the strings from the future and trying to make it look like she's actually actually there like she's a person there and it what if the you know the she's somehow limited it could be that she's only she's reached out to herself because there's a limiting factor in that mm. she can oh, on, only in that and you'd have to that creates a plot hole because that you'd have to figure out but what if she can only reach out to herself or is yeah. limited in some way that you'd have to figure out okay how'd she get the explosives in there but um it could be that she's limited in her options of who she can actually communicate with and what she can do. So she had to focus on, okay, well, I need to find a, a point in, in my own timeline uh, where I can essentially take advantage of myself and make myself do this. Um, and it could be that she's uh, part of what I'm thinking is great. How do you, how do you defeat someone who's not there? Who's across mm-hmm. time? It, I mean, what if even like she's trying to keep herself from doing anything different until that key moment, and it could be that her her past self, like her our present her, figures out that if anything from her future self's timeline changes, then it breaks the connection, which is why she doesn't want her to do anything different until she kills the guy. Because at that hmm. point, she will have changed history, which means their connection over time is now severed. So hmm. what if she ends up figuring that out? And at the key moment, instead of like, um, you know, instead of... Uh, poisoning the guy she like she grabs scissors and like chops her hair off or something yeah, like so you know so, something or, to yeah, yeah or something to change herself or something about her own trajectory into the future knowing that as as soon as she does that like the the causality will cascade and and, and sever the connection with her future self um, okay okay i got a what if, i got a what if can i what if yes sure. what what if this this future antagonist version of her has actually been manipulating past versions of her all along, putting 
early her from different points in time in different places to manifest like that she is she so it was actually her who put the the explosives in the lemonade stand it was her at a different time who in a different sort of the multiverse ex- experience who put the syringe there it was her who is who walked by the booth put the the thing down on the counter it was all her from just fractional seconds in a different in a different timeline uh, all along that she has been putting hundreds of different versions of her in motion all along and you and and the very end when she realizes that she is just that she is just one version of ultimately a pawn that when she changes that one thing about herself she can no longer be used uh something like that could be there's a giant machine of her in different <laughs> times just fractionally moving in a different timeline uh, apart mm-hmm. from her. So they are they trying to poison the person in just this one universe or across all the universes? I don't know. Maybe that's the one thing for this person, right? That's the one thing for this. Like if, if we can reach out to, because there's, there is a version of Kyle who was not touching his beard five minutes ago, <laughs> Right. And there's also a version that spilled like a burrito down his glorious beard five minutes before that. And we're trying to change the spill. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe if you didn't have an NRIMO idea, now we've given one now to you. you. So it's, it's your <laughs> take idea. And run. Take take these elements, uh, write a whole a novel about it, and, and let us know. You know, it's, a, it's actually your called. Idea is yours. You know, just uh, it's, it's called the, a cabin in the woods too. The lemonade yeah. stand. <laughs> Turns out there's a lot going on. A lemonade, lemonade stand in the woods. Don't <laughs> <laughs> get a lot lemonade. of customers. Um, Not a lot of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of foot traffic. Um, all right, so uh, okay, so uh, thank you both for your. your it's nice to being surrounded by so many winners. Uh, you know, I spent so much time this week. It's nice to be around so many winners. So, so thank you, Pete Wright, for uh, for your your time and your ideas. Well, thank you for having me. And and uh, you know, let us know when the first thing is published, and then we'll we'll pipe we'll hype it on the show and let people know where to get <laughs> so it. Many, so much blood spilled on that keyboard. So much. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would like to put one of our, our stories in your hand, uh, I know one of us has a new novel coming out, which is able to be pre-ordered right now. Ryan Dalton, tell us about the new book. Yes, thank you. So it's called This Last Adventure. Um, it is a middle grade novel, but I've heard adults say they enjoyed it as well. So I definitely describe it as cross-generational. Um, it's uh, uh, just kind of the 10-second elevator pitch. Um, uh, it follows a uh, young boy, 13 years old, who um, tries using storytelling and uh, shared fantasy worlds to uh, save his grandfather's memories from Alzheimer's disease. So that is uh, up for pre-order now. Um, just, you know, wherever books are sold, uh, extra points if you order from a, uh, an indie store, uh, like a nice independent bookstore if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it comes out, hits shelves on uh, February 1st. And uh, yeah, it'd be great if you would go read it. Well, the stories won't write themselves, so back into the world we must go. If you'd like to know more about Ryan Dalton, you can find him at ryandaltonwrites.com or at iryandalton on Twitter. His new book, entitled This Last Adventure, is available for pre-order right now. Pete Wright can be found on a variety of shows, but cinephiles should start with The Next Reel, and brain chemistry enthusiasts should look to What's That Smell? Find them in your podcatcher of choice. 
thank you for stopping by. If you're in this part of the world again, there will always be a seat for you at the table here at the Story Well. Right on, right away.